grace, mercy, and peace, these blessings and so many more are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text this morning is a portion of our New Testament lesson from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Dear brothers and sisters of our precious Savior, most Americans know who this man is, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin helped craft the Declaration of Independence, signed the Declaration of Independence, and is viewed as one of the great founding fathers of our country. Not as many people know who this man is. This is William Franklin, Benjamin Franklin's son. And William Franklin was a governor of the colony of New Jersey, and he remained loyal to England throughout his life, much to his father's chagrin. In fact, not just to his father's chagrin, but his loyalty to England triggered such hatred in Benjamin Franklin for his son that when he wrote his autobiography, he pretty much left that son out of his story of his life. And when he died in his estate, he left so little of a multi-million dollar estate to his son William because in his will he said, if my son who betrayed me would have had his way, I would have nothing. So that's about what I will leave him. Not the first example where political differences, different points of view, separated family or friends. Not the first time where bitterness or hatred divided people. You look at the pages of Scripture and, and you go all the way back to Cain and Abel, to Jacob and Esau, to Joseph and his brothers. So it can hardly surprise us when we look around today and we see the same type of animosity and bitterness and hatred. How can God's people allow anger and hatred to trump love and humility? That's because of sin. I read an online article a couple of weeks ago. It had, had this title, Americans Hate Each Other. And while that's a generalization, it still is certainly true for far too many people. Well, what's the solution? The solution, no matter what nationality, no matter what flag you stand or don't stand for, the solution is always the same. The solution is Jesus. Our theme this morning, Christ's love conquers all. And first of all, we look at how Christ's love overcomes our hatred. In the first verse that we'll look at today, verse 30, Paul says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Sealed for the day of redemption. Time after time, God's writers, especially Peter and Paul, take us back to the day of our baptism. And what a wonderful, miraculous day that was when God snatched us from the jaws of Satan, when God, through the Holy Spirit, branded us as his child. What an amazing day, but, but you know what that day wasn't? It wasn't the day that Satan looked at you as you were held by a baptismal font and said, oh, I declare a ceasefire. 
I surrender. Never again will I attack that child of God. No, from, from that day on, Satan continues to make every effort to wrestle you away from, to, if you will, wrestle you from the one who branded you as his child. And that's what's so easy for us to forget is, is that Holy Spirit who branded us has made us his dwelling. And that every time I sin, as the Apostle Paul points out, I am grieving the Holy Spirit. Think of it this way. If you had a, a close friend, family member, who could do amazing things in construction, amazing things with remodeling your house, and he redid your house and turned it from something that was run down into something that was breathtaking, would you, in front of him, destroy that house? And yet, that's what I do every time I sin, is I pick up a sledgehammer and I take it to this temple of the Holy Spirit where God has made his dwelling. That's what sin does to me. That's what sin does to the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And so now Paul goes on and, and lists some sins that he knew 2,000 years ago people struggled with. And obviously God and the Holy Spirit realize we still struggle with these today as well. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. This isn't just a, a random list of sins. There's a, a certain progression, at least to some of these. Paul says, get rid of, of bitterness. Bitterness is a state of mind. Bitterness is a, a chip that I have on my shoulder that, that maybe I find far too much joy in, in, in building up instead of knocking off. Bitterness is the anger that I, I feel towards somebody else because of something that they have said or done or posted or what I think by what they said or have done or have posted. And, and what does that lead to? As, as Paul says, that then will lead to rage and anger. Rage, unfortunately, something many of us can relate to, that, that sudden loss of temper, which is often followed by a very sheepish apology. But what about anger? Anger isn't that loss of temper. Anger is something that's more deep-seated. Anger is what gnaws away inside of me and builds and builds and builds. And so often, Satan convinces me it, it, it's righteous anger. I am justified in being angry at somebody else or what they have said or, or their point of view. Who wouldn't be angry? And then, Paul says, that can lead to brawling. So when I saw that word brawling, I thought, well, brawls like riots, a riot in Minneapolis and Portland and Washington, D.C., at least that's not something I'm guilty of. But then when you look at the, the, the Greek word there for, for brawling, it's not just talking about the physical violence. Brawling, brawling can mean an outcry, a loud clamoring, an insistent outcry and clamoring. And I realize how often I, I can be guilty of that insisting that my point of view is not only the correct point of view, but it's really the only point of view anybody with an ounce of common sense should have. Very arrogant attitude that can alienate others and incite others. And then Paul says slander. 
to, to malign somebody, to spread falsehood about somebody. And I think you would agree that just like many other things, like with many other sins, technology has made slander so much easier temptation to surrender to today than it was even 20 years ago. So posting something about somebody that may or may not be true, slandering somebody in a group chat where they can't defend themselves because they're not part of that group chat, giving a thumbs up to somebody else's post that may or may not be true. So many ways that Satan finds for us to instead of putting the best construction on everything, put the worst construction on anything. And then we defend that by saying, but after all, and then you can fill in your own blank. Paul's, Paul's final, final sin, he says, get rid of every form, every form of malice, every form of hostility or hatred or antagonism or animosity. And then he says, Get rid of them. Paul doesn't say, here are a list of, of five or six sins. Why don't you pick two or three of those and, and, and work on them in the next month? Paul doesn't say, look at your 34th strengths and strength finders and focus on those five strengths, but, but, if, but if harmony is your weakness, well, don't worry about that because we all have weaknesses. God doesn't excuse sinful weaknesses. Paul allows no wiggle room. Paul says, get rid of all of those things. But how in the world, how in the world can we do that when it comes so easily? Perhaps not, perhaps not for us to spew hate. Perhaps not for us to post hate. But how easy it is, is it for us to give a thumbs up to somebody else's hateful words? How easy is it for us to dive a little too deeply in the pool of spite when we log on to social media or log on to only our favorite news channel? All in the name of that spite being fact on either side of the fence. Paul says, get rid of it, and we say, but, but how can we do that? Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. How can we battle our sinful nature's love affair with hate? With kindness and compassion, remembering just as in Christ, God forgave us. Be kind that's simple, perhaps not to do, but to understand. There are websites devoted to kindness. There are Be Kind t-shirts. There is a bulletin board out in our main hallway by the office that encourages us to be kind. There are Be Kind Facebook groups. But what about, what about be compassionate to one another? When I look at that phrase, I, I think of, of showing compassion to somebody who is in a bad situation, somebody who is hurting, and it certainly includes that. But I think here, some of us that are, are a little older than others might have an advantage if we, we think back to some of the beautiful verbiage of the King James Version, where Paul says, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, 
hath forgiven you. Be tender-hearted, not just to our children and our grandchildren and our soulmate and those so close to us, but be tender-hearted even to those who either intentionally or unintentionally seem to go out of their way to be obnoxious to us. Be tender-hearted to those who have a completely different viewpoint on so many trigger issues today. Tender-hearted to them? How can I do that? We'll get to that, but first, we need to take a closer look again at, at what Paul says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And if you stop there, you'd say, it's just another to-do list. A to-do list at which I so often fail. It's all law. But then look at the last part. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Christ's love conquers all. It overcomes our hate. And Christ's love also forgives our sin. No matter what grudge I hold against somebody else, no matter what reasons I have for not letting go of, of that anger, no matter what they have done to me, it will never compare to the number of times I've betrayed my Savior. When I look in the mirror of God's law, I see my sins of weakness, sins of ignorance, sins of habit, sins of choice, willful sins. When I look in the rearview mirror of my conscience, back at six decades of a road of life behind me, I see far too many times where what do I see is the rage and anger and bitterness and slander that Paul says should be no part of my life. I look in that rearview mirror and so often, what do I see? I see that just like the Apostle Paul, the good I wanted to do, I didn't do. The evil I didn't want to do, that I kept on doing. And like Paul, I say, what a wretched man I am. But as I look back at those six decades, you know what else I see? I see more blessings than I can even count. Certainly more blessings than I deserve. I see God's amazing grace. I see God that every time I took a detour, God rerouted me back on the correct path. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And when you look in your rearview mirror, no matter how long or short that road may be, don't you see the same thing? Time after time, where you failed, but God forgave. Where you struggled, but God strengthened. And then when we look at this God who forgives us, and as Paul says, then, then we are able to forgive others. Christ's love conquers all. Christ's love fuels my love, your love, for others. Paul says, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. 
Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. For a, for a child of God who is hanging on to a grudge or, or is almost fueled by that chip on his shoulder or has such a hard time letting go of bitterness, when I remind myself that God says, follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, then, then the choice isn't just obvious, but God and only God makes that choice, forgiving others, God makes it doable. When I look back, when you look back at all of the things that you shouldn't have done, but God forgave you anyway, and then you look at the sin of somebody else that's right in front of you, I look at whatever it is that annoys me about somebody else or their point of view, and I say, but, but God, you forgave me all of, of that? Then what's our response? Thanks to God, it's not really God. I'm not sure I can do that, but it's God, forgive them? God, how could I not, why would I not forgive them? As I studied this text for today, I couldn't help but think of the parable of the lost son, or what some call the parable of the two sons. And you picture the father waiting for that son to return. And you know that that is your heavenly father. And then his joy when that lost son came running back down that road. And that father so eager to forgive him and, and ease his guilt you realize how many times you have been that lost son? And do you realize that maybe you're more like me, how often you are the other son, the self-righteous, proud, arrogant son who said, of course my father loves me. Why and how could he love him? But then Remember, you have that same father who didn't just embrace the lost son, but wanted to embrace the second son. Because of God's amazing, never-ending love for us, of course, we can be kind and compassionate and forgiving each other. Paul says, walk in the way of love God will help you do that. And when you stumble, and you will, find comfort in this, that when you stumble, the Savior that has been walking right next to you, that tender-hearted Savior will reach out his hand and pull you up next to him and continue to walk with you on that path to heaven. That is your Savior's amazing love. That is your Savior's certain promise. Amen. Please stand.